All right, good evening. Glad you are here. Let me grab this table. It's normally here. On Wednesday nights, we have been walking through the names of God. And tonight is going to be our first uh, official compound name of God. Uh, And so we we have walked through... uh, Elohim and Yahweh and Adonai, and tonight we're going to walk through Yahweh Yireh, okay? You probably heard it as Jehovah Jireh, okay? Yahweh Yireh would be in the Hebrew, okay? And you're probably real familiar with this story. This is Genesis 22, familiar story about Abraham and the offering of Isaac, okay? But you may have missed that name, that compound name, and the way that that entire story is unfolded and and moving to the declaration of God's name. So you can hold your spot in Genesis 22. I'm really going to want to go long tonight, but I'm going to hurry, okay? Genesis 15, remember in the story, uh, Abraham, uh, he, he went to the land when he was 75, and God gave him promises that he, go out and look at the stars. Your, your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. And, uh, and Abraham said, look, I... Uh, I don't have an heir. He said, like, the closest thing I have is like my, uh, this distant relative. He is my only heir. And God came to him and said, no, listen, you're going to have a son, and you're going to have a son through Sarah. Now, he's 75, and she's 65 at that time. Was God quick on answering that promise? No, he was 100, and Sarah was 90 by the time that Isaac is born. So in Genesis 21, just imagine the joy of holding that newborn and the smell of a newborn and the the way you count their toes and all of, imagine that joy for Sarah Abraham, who are now 90 and 100, and this is their first child. There's a family conflict, and Ishmael, the son through Hagar, is removed. That sets the scene for where we are in Genesis 22. Now, I don't know if anyone's told you before, but uh, we don't know exactly Isaac's age whenever this occurs. But I will tell you, because of the way he converses and his ability to carry wood up the mountain, I want you to picture him at about 15 years old, okay? And if he's 15, that makes Abraham what? 115. All right, so let's go with the story. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you. 
Okay, now, real quick, you may be saying, wait a second, this is an insane request. One, you need to understand that the Old Testament strictly teaches not to do child sacrifice. And second, I would tell you, you got to follow the narrative all the way into the end. And when you get to the end, you realize God has no desire in Abraham actually sacrificing Isaac. Okay, he doesn't want to hurt him. In fact, this is a test of faith. That is, do you love God more than anything else? Okay, even more than the promises of God. Remember, Isaac represents the promises, his descendant, that that his descendants would outnumber the, the stars, okay? Do you love the giver more than the gifts? Every one of us can identify with the gravity of this passage. And if you have children, you understand that the, the story forces you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. And you must ask this question, what is he believing? What is Abraham believing? Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey he took two of his young men with, uh, with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place that God had told him. There was no argument, no debate with God. There was no Abraham also bringing a lamb with him just behind in case and talking to God. Let's negotiate along the way here. There was none of that. What you saw was immediate action steps. And again, the question is, what is Abraham believing? A three days journey on a donkey to Mount Moriah. All it says is, you need to go to this specific place. I imagine that maybe he had a vision of exactly what the place looked like because we're told uh, in verse four that Abraham looks up and he sees the place. He knows that is the place. He sees it. And look at verse five. Abraham said to his young men that also came with him, all right, you guys stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad or young man will go over there and we will worship and we will return to you. What is Abraham believing when he says we will go and we will return? Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife And the two of them walked together. Picture the scene. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, here I am, my son. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. That statement 
tells us what Abraham has been believing the entire time, what his hope is resting on. He says, I know Yahweh. I know that he is a God who provides. He has given me promises. I have experienced him. I had a son at 100 years age in Sarah 90, and God is the one who provided that son. And I know against all odds, against the, the cloudiness and the confusion of this current situation, that God is a God who provides. That is the kind of God that Yahweh is. That is what he is believing. So they get to the top, and Abraham and Isaac build an altar. And I have a really good question for you. By the way, Isaac carries his own wood to the top of Mount Moriah. How does Isaac get on the altar? Abraham is 115 years old, and Isaac is 15 years old. How on earth does Isaac get on the altar? Willingly. Willingly. There's no other way. Willingly. Hebrews 11.19 tells us that Abraham believed. What he was believing is that he would kill Isaac, his son, and then that God would raise him from the dead. That is exactly what Abraham thought was going to take place. So here, Abraham and Isaac are at the top of Mount Moriah. They have built the altar, and the only way that Isaac gets on the altar is if it is willingly, because he trusts the father, and the father has said to the son, I am going to kill you, but God will resurrect you from the dead. And Isaac raises his hand. And the Lord calls out and stops him. And in verse 13, behind Abraham, a male sheep, a ram, has his horns caught in the thicket of a thorn bush. He has thorns around his head. The male sheep has thorns around his head. And in verse 13, that ram is offered in the place of the son Isaac. And listen to verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Yireh. Okay? Your English translations say the Lord will provide. It is this compound name, Yahweh Yireh. As it is said to that day, that in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And the name of that place is called Yahweh Yireh. Now listen to me. You may or may not know that Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. 
that Mount Moriah is the location that Solomon's temple was built intentionally. So listen to this story. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Does that sound anything like the way that the father expresses his love towards his son, Jesus? And go to Mount Moriah or go to Jerusalem and offer him there. And on a three days journey, he rode a donkey into Jerusalem. That should give you the image of Palm Sunday. And then Jesus, like Isaac, carried his own wood up on top of that mountain. And like the ram, had a crown of thorns around his head. And Jesus willingly laid down his life and got on top of the cross. Why? Because he believed and he trusted the Father that the Father would raise him from the dead. So that, catch this, Abraham is 2,000 years before Christ, and God has woven in this story, Abraham, I need to take your son Isaac, and I need you to go to this spot. It has to be this spot, because on this mountain, Yahweh Yireh, the name will be called. That must be the place, because God is a God who provides, and 2,000 years later, he will provide his son with staggering detail about similarity that's been woven through, through the, the, the record of the Bible, things pieced together that maybe you've never pieced together before, but all of this with different authors through 2,000 years, God has been saying, this is the kind of God I am. My name is Yahweh, and by the way, I am the one who provides. There is no God like me. I am the one who provides for you. If you had to come before me on your own, you cannot. I am the one who provides the substitute. I am the only way that you can approach me, but that's the kind of God that I am. I get down and draw near to you and provide the sacrifice, provide everything so that you can come to me. Let me close with this final passage because I want you to hear it in light of this in terms of our application. Our application is everything points to Jesus Christ, but listen to this to you, beloved Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Yahweh Yireh, that is his name. That is the kind of God that he is. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We love your word. There is no God like you. There is no God like you. You are the one and the only Yahweh. And you are the Yahweh who provides, who provided his son so that we might know you. You are a God who drew near to us. You have done everything on our behalf. It is by your grace and your goodness. And your word says, those of us that are your sons and daughters, that you will freely give us all things, all things for our good, all things that we need to be able to walk with you and draw near to you. You are our Father. We love you. Yahweh Yireh. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, it went just a little over, but you're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>